John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. A warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. You are in for an uplifting time in God's word. Enjoy the message. Thank you for joining me as we study the word of God. This is Pastor Fred. We've been walking through the book of the prophets. How those old time prophets spoke to their time and they still speak to us. It's amazing. A prophecy is given 2,800 years ago, 3,000 years ago, are still the same in terms of their essence. And the message was clear. God loves you as a person. God loves the children he has made in his image. And God wants to have a close relationship with you and I. And anything that we do that upsets God, he wants us. He tells you, come close to me or disaster will follow you. And when we obey, he blesses us. When we are stubborn, sometimes he allows you to go to punishment. So that you can come back to him. But all of them are meant to draw us closer to him. Today we'll look at the prophet Joel. Looking at the message. Returning to God. Returning to God. Let us pray. Precious God. What a God you are. What a father you are. What a mother you are. What a carer you are. What an empowerer you are. What a God you are who encourages your people. As we speak your word, may it bring correction, healing, direction, encouragement to that man, that woman who is listening, that they will know that they are important in your economy, that you created them to live and to enjoy your goodness in the land of the living, that nobody will be a captive for the devil in his glass, but truly to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Is I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The prophet Joel, what do we know about this prophet? Just very little because he was not concerned about who he is, but concerned about what God asked him to do. The prophet Joel prophesied around 8th century BC. All that we know was that his father's name was Joel. Sorry, his father's name was Pethuel. He tells us in Joel 1 1, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Well, God picked this man to be his spokesperson. And it was all about God, not the man and his credentials. And what was God's message to him? Simple. A time was coming when God would judge the world and make all things right. And therefore people should live according to the word of God. And if they decide to be disobedient, disaster will come because God's judgment will surely come to those who refuse to repent. God promises that that would 
truly happened. They did not repent. So Joel draws on a real-life catastrophe. A swarm of locusts had destroyed the land of Judah. These insects had come, and one upon the other, they ate every green thing they could find. You name those trouble that insects can bring, the locusts, they ate every green thing, they destroyed everything, and there was disaster in the land. So, he's telling them, if this was bad, another day is coming. That day will be worse, and that day will be final. That day you will not end up suffering hunger. When you repent, God restores and gives you rain. And that day will be spending eternity in hell, away from God, because you would have been dead. So you who are alive today, who hear Joel, who hear the word of God coming to you, hear what he has to say, what the Lord is saying to you, and do what God wants you to do. Joel chapter 2, we just take verse 12 to 14. Now therefore, says the Lord, tend to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Tend to him. You see, here is God going out there crying, crying to his people. One of the basic characteristics of any parent is that they love their children and they want the best for their children. When that child goes wayward, he grieves the parent. That is what God is to us. That is what Christ is for us. That is why the Holy Spirit comes to us. That is why God sends prophets. That is why teachers are raised. That is why evangelists come to tell the good. That's even why God heals his people. That is why miracles done. All of these things to draw our attention to the love of God. So that we will know that our Father has everything. And will not go after the devil, after the world, and after those things that deceive us. So when God's people, who he chose to be a model, the people of Israel chose to be a model, are doing the wrong things, he raised the prophets to warn them. When today, the new community, Christians, he raised us, he has saved us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to live as a light of the world and the salt of the earth. Do the wrong things. We must hear prophets. We must hear our teachers. We must hear our leaders doing the right thing. And draw us closer to God. That we enjoy God's abundance. So that even if it is a nation that God has given people to lead, they have to see themselves as stewards, taking care of God's people and bringing them to worship God 
be fruitful and productive, tilling the land, working the land, using their brain, their hands, and all these things, for there to be equity and fairness and justice in the land, that people will be free to worship their God and achieve their full potential. That is why God allowed nations to be formed and people to lead them, and so that He punishes nations, people, and their rulers when they deviate from showing the heart of God, the warmth of God, the concern of God to their people. So today, we see the compassionate God calling on the people to come back to Him. How are they to come back to Him? He said, Come back to me by repenting, by weeping, and by rending your heart, not your garment. What does that mean? There are people who say they want to come back to God. Some people know sometimes that the kind of things that they have done, they've gone too far away from God. Their choices, they've been influenced by friends, their hearts, the things that they have seen, have taken them far away from God. They've compromised. They've done all the wrong things, the bribery, the corruption, the foul speech, the gossip, the lies, the cheating, the fake documents. And now you are bound. You think that heaven is even close. God will not hear your prayer again. What do you say? You can pray. And say even fast. Call the people. Let them fast. See, sometimes it takes that extra effort to defeat Satan. He says himself, said it to his disciples, Mark 9, 28 and 29. Some of these things can only be overcome through prayer and fasting. That's one way of repenting, prayer and fasting. Another way is weeping for your sin and turning away from it. Sometimes we take the prayer and the weeping and the intercession of somebody to take you away from the sins. Paul led the people of God. But in Acts chapter 20 verse 31, he said, Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to want everyone night and day with tears for his converts to walk in the path of God, for his flock not to be swayed by the lust of the world. So, repenting, to come back to a compassionate God. They mean sometimes leaders, shepherds, weeping over their flock, deceiving for them to do the right thing. Sometimes they mean even mourning. We mourn over the lost. Yes, mourning over them. They say, Lord, they are lost. They are not coming to you. We mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. And your joy to groom. So you hear so many things. People making fun of God, making fun of pastors, making fun of holy things. We just mourn that they don't know what they are about. That is what it takes to bring some people back. They say, when you are truly sorry, you rend your heart, not your garment. Nation times, when somebody hears something or they are sorry, and they are sorrowful. They will tear their garments. And God says, I'm not interested in you tearing your garment, but tear your heart. 
be repentant in your heart. God doesn't want a mere outward show. And he wants an inner change. Then he said, when you turn like this, when you repent like this, when you are sorry like this, what happens? In verse 14 he tells us, look, if we do these things, we are truly sorry. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. Yes, God is a compassionate God. If we shed tears, it will produce joy. If we are truly repentant, he will come through for us. Galatians 6.9 tells us something about God. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. As a compassionate God, that is the God that is drawing the attention of the people in Joel's time back to him. That's what the prophet was doing. Let's come back to God. Let's come back to God. How we need that voice. If you have that voice, if you have that calling, if you're a child of God, draw people's attention to God. When the disaster comes, don't think that's the end of it. Our God is a compassionate God. What do we mean by compassion? Compassion is more than love. It is love at work. It is love at work. To be a mature Christian, you need to be compassionate. You see God in people. And even when they are going to be destroyed, so long as there's life in them, compassion moves you to draw them back to their God, their Maker, their Redeemer. Compassion should be what drives that nurse at work to make sure that that person lives to do whatever they need to be, to be that they live. Compassion is that, that moves that doctor. Compassion is what should move that prayer warrior to intercede for the nation. Compassion is more than love. It is love at work. Don't love in theory. Compassion goes out there like the good Samaritan, binding the wounds, paying the price to heal that person. Compassion. Apart from that repenting, there was something else that God said to the prophet Joel. And that is very, very, very destructive. Not too many years past, we had COVID. And COVID activated new technologies, new ways of worshiping God. We learned that, oh, God does not dwell in temples. God dwells in the heart. That the church cannot be closed. Churches can meet on the trees. Churches can meet in people's homes. Churches can meet on Zoom, on telephone. There were many, many, many ways people met. And what a victory it was for the church of God. The church of God is marching on. Now, that freedom, that lesson that he brought to us, that God is in our hearts, we can worship him, where two or three are gathered in my name, they in their midst. Some have taken it to such an extent that they do not want to go back to church again. They want, they have enjoyed their being alone, their being, their newfound freedom, and they want to worship God. Well, it is good. But you see, there are two parts of Christianity. The private part of it, where you worship God in your devotion, in your house, with your family, 
but there's also the congregation part of it. A friend of mine used to say, every good footballer belongs to a team. So you belong to a team. So here God was calling on his people to repent. But he asked them to do something else in verses 15 and 16. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call the sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and nursing babies. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber. And the bride from her dressing room. Oh, call everybody who is named a child of God. Let them gather. Let them meet together. You seek my face. There's power in corporate prayer. There's power when the people of God gather. God inhabits the praises of his people. Healing abounds in the praises of God's people. Revival comes when people are united to seek the face and the will of God. That is a God we serve. He loves to hear his children. Sing, pray, worship him. You feel the energy in big congregations, in stadia, from stadia, when they are cheering their football fans. Do you hear people at their political rallies when they are moved to do even things that they didn't think they would do and say things they shouldn't be saying? Yes, but you also know that God loves to hear the corporate prayer, the corporate singing, the corporate anointing that comes. So God says, look, when my people come, they should come to me solemnly. Let them come to me. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate the fast, call a sacred assembly, an assembly that seeks the face of God. You see, Joel's people, the nation has seen disaster. The locust has destroyed them. What have we not seen as Africa? What have we not seen as Ghana? What have we not seen as a church? They say, blow the trumpet, consecrate the fast, come together. The Lord wanted his people to be called together. This is important to God. The psalmist had already said in Psalm 122 verse 1, I was glad when he said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Go and do what? Go and worship him. Go and renew your vows. Go and be energized, be encouraged to join others to praise him and to worship him. It is pleasing to God. So the prophet encourages people to go. I'm asking you, are you congregating with others? Or you are a lone ranger Christian. Maybe you are unable to go because of sickness, because of one challenge or the other, because of distance. You are in prison, you are in hospital. God understands those things. Yes, he understands. He cares. But there are some who I would say bluntly is just laziness or stubbornness or selfishness. They don't want to mix with some people because they are too low class people. They will bug you. They will come and ask you for money. They will see your car. They will envy you. Well, God has blessed you to be a blessing. So he's asking these people, congregate. It's about him. And when you go there, you're part of a family. and Be a blessing to someone as well. And God said, let all ages come together to be made holy by the Lord. As we consecrate our lives to God, 
will become charged and encouraged to live faithful lives. God, you see, even a prophet, that prophet, he thought that he was the only person who was worshiping God. So God, you've killed all your prophets. I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm alone. God said, you are not alone. There are about 7,000 people who have not bowed down to Baal. Why didn't the prophet know? He didn't know. Because those others, they were not praying publicly. There were no temples. They were not worshiping. Churches have experienced a lot of decline. There are church members who run shift. They don't contribute to the work of God. They don't contribute to the needs of the word of God. They don't do the work of God. They are not there to be seen by you. When there are funerals and weddings and social events, they come. God is saying, let me be a priority for you as well. Let your gathering show your numbers, show your warmth, show the love for me. And that witness will bring others to know me as well. Remember, you are the church. The church can only be what you make it to be. A place of prayer, a place, a place of worship, a place, a place of repentance where people draw people's attention to the fact that yes, you see, when three million Christians decided suddenly that they want to support something, it happened. And I wish Christians, we do not stand only for against LGBTQ but we put our minds together to correct the injustice in this country. We stand for justice. We stand against calamity. We stand against bribery and corruption. We stand for righteousness. We stand for this. Politicians know numbers. They love numbers. They hear numbers. They see numbers. And when we say, look, we are for justice. We are for righteousness. We will not take part in it. We will not encourage anyone to do that. And we are united in prayer against it, it will not happen. And if we are united to support somebody to do the right thing, they will be encouraged to do the right thing. Let that be the story. If Ghana will change, if Africa will change, we the people who say we love God, we serve God, we know Him, must congregate and sanctify ourselves and dedicate ourselves seriously to righteousness, to justice, to fairness, to social activism the right things being done, then the light, the light will overcome the darkness, to overcome the rot. When the poor are held by the rich, when the rich share what they have, that is what will change our world. And God wants that to happen. And what does God say? The result of all these things will be when the people are sorry, when they gather to pray, what did God say will happen? Remember, today, the book of Joel is telling us and calling us to return to God. Why does God want you to return to him? Can you imagine this? That a child leaves his parents, he's gone to the city, Accra, Kumasi, or even London, or even US, or wherever, I mean, Canada, to go and do something. And they are in trouble. Some of them don't even want to come back home because they are embarrassed. But this guy finally makes it home. He's looking lean and wretched, full of trouble, looking even older than his parents. 
and the parents asking, what is it? They say, oh, why I went, it was not good. Life is hard. What makes it hard? So I ran into debt. My wife has left me. My children are gone. I don't know what it is. I've just come home. I'm tired. And you just give me a place where I can rest. So when we call you, you don't pick the phone anymore. You say, yes, I don't pick it any longer because people just keep calling me to pay, to pay, to pay, to pay. I keep moving. Say, how much do you owe? How can you help me? He said, no. Before you even ask me, let me tell you, I am sorry. I've done the wrong things. I don't deserve. I've spoiled your name. I've done many wrong things. I am truly sorry. I just came to say I'm sorry. And I'm going back to find a way out of all of this. You know, why? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't deserve it because I'm good. You know what that parent will do? If they think that child is serious and has truly repented, they'll forgive that child. Just like the prodigal's father did. And he said, look, so how much do you owe? And he said, look at all that we have. Who, who did you work for? These houses, these farms, these cars. They are for you. If you truly take your rightful place and be responsible, you will not go to our slaves, you will not go to our servants. They may get some, but you will also get it. That is God. That is our God. That's why he wants us to come to him. So Joel tells them, when you come to the Lord, see verse 18 to 20, then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. But I will remove let me take verse 20. But I will remove far from you the northern army and will drive him away into a barren and desolate land with his face towards the eastern sea and his back towards the western sea. His tent will come up and his foul odor will rise because he has done monstrous things. Here God was telling his people that even those who took them captive, he will chase them away. Their death the poverty, the disaster, the bribery and corruption, and all the injustice that have pushed us down because of our sins, because of our causes. I am able, I'm able to completely take these things away. That you be a nation, you be a people rejoicing, you be a church, a church rejoicing. God will respond to us when we obey Him. Say, I'll pity you. God sees the heart. And if that heart is genuine, God says, if we are honest before him, you answer our prayer today, today. If you do not think that the Lord is your savior, you come to him, he will answer you. He will answer you. The Lord accept you as my Lord and savior. Come into my heart. He will answer you. Take you as his child. And listening to this broadcast will be able to help you or any Bible believing church. Then he promises, if you keep your command, if you keep my commandment, look, I will be your God and I'll continue to be your God. The Lord will answer and say to you, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine 
and I will be, and I will satisfy you again. Oh, that is our God. All He wants for us is the best. To be the head and not the tail. To be overcomers. So beloved, say this after me. Oh Lord, I come to you today in obedience. Lord, help me to walk in your love. To be compassionate like you. To do your bidding. Revive in me the spirit of worship. The spirit of obedience. Revive in me the spirit of witnessing. The spirit of prayer. The spirit of spreading your way. Father, I am a vessel that you use and you can use to bring healing to the nations. Use me as you want me to. In accordance with your will, I receive power to live for you. He said every day. Amen. If this is your prayer, I say Amen as well. Let's meet again next week. And let's see you in church. Go back to fellowship with others. God is waiting for you. The church is waiting for you. And you'll be glad you did. Stay blessed. Amen. You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Degbe. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Biggs restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oyibi, we're near the Kaz Valley Event Center at the Goyal Filling Station. Our Amasamine campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamine Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano, opposite the Botiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via CalvaryBaptistGhana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 024-369-0485 or 0302-231-854 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200-181680. God bless you.